Welcome to this week's episode of the Drew's Crew Podcast, and today we are joined by a young 25-year-old master global traveler who has worked for many different companies, one of them being Nike, where he was an external relations director, which allowed him to work closely to players such as Kobe Bryant. You'll also quickly become aware that AJ is a Iowa State enthusiast, and he's agreed to give all Red Raiders advice on where to go, who to see, and what to do on their next vacation abroad. AJ Jaden, welcome to the show. You wanted me, you got me, you love me, I'm here. We're glad to have you. And so what is a, we're going to start with this, what is an Iowa State fan like yourself uh, doing in Dallas right now? Well, right now, uh, an Iowa State fan, we're the best fans in the country, first of all, because we got college game day Okay, hold on. Coming to hold on. Before, I mean, I'm going to stop you right there. You are aware that up to this point, you, I mean, you are the first non-Red Raider on this podcast. Now, that is partially true. I am a uh, Texas Tech men's basketball Red Raiders fan. I own four Texas Tech shirts. Okay, including four Texas Tech shirts. Including... A Davide Moretti Italian practice jersey. Oh wow! Um, I was able big to big Davide Moretti fan over here. Oh, a- absolutely! I got to go up to the national championship. Okay, but out of all these tech shirts, you, you say you have four tech shirts, but then when Iowa State came to Lubbock, Texas, what shirt did you wear to that game? I was wearing an Iowa State shirt, of course. Here's the thing: I will cheer. And and how did you get the tickets into the United Supermarkets Arena? <laughs> They're from Davide Moretti. So you're telling me a Red Raider gave you tickets and you wore an Iowa State shirt to the game. But here's the thing, though, and you can agree, and I want you to swear on this, that when you ran out on the court, who did you hear cheering for Texas Tech? What? Uh, about 15,000 people. I mean, I can't. But, besides, <laughs> but who was wearing an Iowa State shirt that every time Davide had the ball, you know, Threes were going up. I was cheering. Who okay. was I with after the game waiting for? Who was I waiting for after the game? You were waiting for us because you, you knew us, and you were waiting for the people that gave you the tickets, okay. which you should have supported no, here, their team with thing. your shirt. I will cheer. But we're not, we're not going to get too much into that. Let's go ahead and start off. Who uh, the heck is AJJ, and why do we have a cyclone on this podcast? How did he? Okay, so we're going to start with AJ. Where were you born? I was born in Seoul, South Korea. Seoul, uh, South Korea. So don't let the blonde but he, hair... But he acts like he's from North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't, don't let the blonde hair, blue eyes fool you. You know, I grew up in Iowa, you know, since I was a kid. We'd come back in the summer, so lived in Asia for 11 years. Grew up over there between South Korea, Vietnam, Singapore, Japan, Hong Kong, China. Whoa, whoa, you're going to have to slow down here. All right, so you're born in South Korea, then you move where? We moved to Ho Chi Minh City. In 95. Which um, you would have been what age? A year and a half, I okay. think. So you were almost two years old. Almost two years. And we were one of the first 150 Americans let in after the war. Uh, so my father was... To work- Vietnam. V- Vietnam. So this is southern Vietnam. And my father was working for Procter & Gamble. Okay. And he helped open up the office in Vietnam. And I think they were the second uh, foreign company let in. And it was something where, you know, being two years old, we, I don't remember much from it. I remember the videos. Um, and when we lived there, I had one brother that was born in Peoria, Michael. And then another brother, Daniel, or no, 
there's so many of us. <laughs> so, yeah. so Matthew was born in Singapore because it wasn't safe for a foreigner to have a child in Vietnam at the time. So no question. <laughs> well, actually, it's a beautiful country now. <laughs> but we, for two or three months, we lived in Singapore. My dad would commute back and forth between Singapore and Vietnam. I think it was about an hour and a half flight. And back then, you could play, you know, 36 holes of golf in a day for $5, tip included, with a caddy. It was dirt cheap over there. Wow. Um, what, what do the courses look like in Vietnam? Oh, they're beautiful. They're really? Absolutely beautiful. Over in Asia, they're spectacular. So then we moved to... And for the, those that don't know, AJ, he has a, he's, he's a decent golf player. Spent some time playing college. I mean, he's he's a big golfer. I mean, he he, he talks a big game at least until he gets to that tee box and, and shanks two. And <laughs> well, it's it's really funny, you know. My you've been da- you've been playing golf your whole life. So, I, yeah. I can thank my you know my dad and my grandparents. Uh, they've really helped teach. It's funny though. I can never beat my dad because I get up on that first tee box and in the middle of my backswing, you know. How's your ex-girlfriend? And I don't know which one he's going. I, I know it's going to come, and sure enough, zing to the left, zing to the what's, right. Uh, what's your best round? What did you shoot on your best round? My best round was 74. 74? Se- wow. 74. Um, that, was my, that was my best round, but some of my favorite round was when my grandfather, when he was alive, he got a hole-in-one, and it was we, me, my brother, and my cousin that was with him on his favorite course. He didn't think he got a hole in one and we're going crazy. And before he called my grandmother to let her know, he called the pastor at the church to say a prayer for him. And, <laughs> and then he went then he went eagle after that. Wow. From 150 yards out and then went birdie birdie. Oh, I was, was I played golf with you one time and I was most impressed with the fact that you are a very good golfer, but you, you, you didn't take one practice swing the entire round, not even on the green. It, it's, a, it's a mental game. Like, here's the thing. I have friends that go up there, and they take five, ten minutes, and I'm just like, just get up there and hit it. it. And I should slow down and take a few practice swings, but then you get in your head, and I learned from my high school golf coach, you know, you only hit 15 range balls before the round. Otherwise, you're trying to, you know, what's going to work, what's not. Yeah, So okay, so your grandfather's hit a hole-in-one. Have you ever hit a hole-in-one? No, I wish that that is extremely difficult to do. But I've gotten to, uh, yeah, no, I, okay, I can't. Short answer, <laughs> short answer, no, no. Okay, so you're in Vietnam, you're playing golf, and so what, this is my, my dad was playing golf. Your dad was playing golf because you're still, I mean, two years two, old, three years you're old. You're not playing golf at two no. years old. And then in Singapore, I'm not Tiger Woods. Um, and then in <laughs> Singapore, then we moved to Japan, uh, still with Procter and Gamble. Who did Japan from Vietnam? Co- Kobe, Japan. Wow. Um, how was that? Well, I mean, you, it, it, it was a lot at of, what age did you move to Japan from Vietnam? Because you don't remember Vietnam or... I want to say seven, seven or eight. So now you're starting to remember some things. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And then we... Uh, so we were there with Procter & Gamble. We lived in Hong Kong, I think, for a little bit. Um, and then we moved back to Japan to Yokohama, just south of Tokyo. Uh, my dad worked for Gateway Computers, if anyone knows the big cow boxes with the computers. And some of my favorite memories was... My parents would wake us up you know, maybe once every six months and they say, hey, we're playing hooky. We're going to Tokyo Disneyland on like a Wednesday or a Thursday. Tokyo Disneyland. So have you been to Disneyland in the United States? We have. Is there a difference? There is. So, besides, the, besides you're bumping into 
uh, like you know, it's it's crowded at Disneyland. You're not bumping into you know Americans or but that overweight Americans. You're bumping into well, maybe little Asians. Well, <laughs> well, let's get one thing straight. I'm blonde hair, blue eyes. The whole family were, were white. Not like oh, who's this guy who lives in Asia and then you know is from Iowa? But uh, no, Tokyo Disneyland was a lot of fun. Um, there's still pictures of us wearing old Iowa State shirts in like the 90s and early 2000s. I mean, you just have to tell me if there's a picture, most likely you're wearing an Iowa State shirt. Oh, 99. So just tell me whether there's a picture or not, and I can probably tell you what you're wearing. 99% of my clothing, my, the thing is my brother comes when he's like, oh, I want to go to a game last year at Texas uh, that we lost, sadly. I think he borrowed about eight shirts, and I got maybe three back. <laughs> yeah. He, he just texted me. He's like, can I get your... Yeah, you got too much of that stuff. And enough Iowa State talk. We're not going to... This is this podcast is not about to be hijacked by a cyclone. Well, I, well, I actually want you know to have some education from an actual D1 school. Which would be Texas Tech. We're going to agree and disagree on that. But, you know, go Raiders. I'll, I'm all for Raiders. Okay, so you're in you're in Japan. And then we moved to Iowa, uh, to Okoboji, Wait, so you, li- you lived two different... Uh, two different places in Japan. Okay. Yokobe and Yokohama. Which one did you like better? You know, I, I've got to say Yokohama just because this is the one I remember the most. Yeah. Just going to Tokyo Disneyland. Um, There's just so much that we did there. And how far is that city from Tokyo? 30 minutes. No, about an hour south. Okay. So it's still in the harbor. Then we moved to Okoboji, Iowa, northwest Iowa. Um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> That's lived, definitely a, a change. We actually lived on a lake. So we moved there in the middle of second grade. I met some of my really good friends, uh, Zubin Azari, who... Got me into soccer, uh, lived there for five years, and then my dad said, hey, we're moving back to Asia. We're moving to China in the middle of seventh grade. Wow. And I'm like, I can still remember. I was just like, you know, I, I miss Iowa. Like, I want to be a baseball player. Like, growing up, we'd still watch, like, Feel the Dreams and everything. Like, because my grandparents live in Iowa. My parents yeah. are from Iowa. Like, we'd come back every summer. We moved to Shanghai, China. <laughs> See, some people they're they're in sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. They're complaining about their parents walking in and say, "Hey, we're we're moving schools." Well, your parents walk in and say, "Hey, AJ, I know you've you established a good community here. You like your friends. You've started soccer, but hey, we're moving to China." <laughs> How was that? I mean, we were we were young. It was, you know, I, I always thank my parents for that opportunity because you don't get that. And so we moved over there in uh, middle seventh grade, 2007, and it was a change. It, it really was a change. So Shanghai is, it, it's grown. It's my favorite city in the world now. But so we spent a year and a half there with international schools, made a lot of great connections, friends there. I still keep in touch with our old uh, driver because it's, you have to have a Chinese driver over there. What do you mean a Chinese driver? Like, like You can't uh, drive yourself? You can, but can you read Mandarin if you're driving or you got to find someone to park? How long did it take you to learn Mandarin? Obviously, you're fluent now, but well, how long? I, I mean, fluent is, a, is uh, I want to say fluent. I'm still learning. I mean, it's still, you still have to teach yourself. So I use Rosetta Stone. I studied it in, man, in college. I used it for work. when but I. But you can carry on a conversation in abso- Mandarin. Absolutely. That's how I learned was in a taxi driver at 2 a.m. on the way back from, you know, late night back yeah. in the hotel <laughs> but no so we were over there for a year and a half and then in the middle and then right before the beijing olympics in 08 my parents said hey we're going to move to london 
and we had everything sent over. Okay, hold London for a second. Yeah. So when you come out of Iowa, you're in seventh grade. You move to Beijing, or you move to China. Yeah. So what what's the difference in the school systems between the United States and Iowa and going over to China? You know, it caught for an international school in China. It costs more to go to an international school over there than it is to go to college in the U.S. You're kidding it, it's me. It's so expensive. But there's like 20. You have to remember. That's wild. Shanghai, they have 20 international schools. It's a city of, right now, it's 24 million people. It's about two times the size of New York City and three times the population. And, <laughs> now, this is back in 07, but it was expensive. But as an expat, you know, get, they wanted expats over there. So we lived in an expat community. There was Catholic churches. There, one of my favorite uh, memories is going to the grocery store with my mom and whatever you wanted. They had live fish that you would literally take out, put it in a bag, and you'd go in the co- shopping cart like nothing was going on. You'd get a frog le- fresh frog legs where the, f- oh. the f- frogs would still be alive. They'd cut the head off and skin, skin it. And right in front of you? Right in front of you. Oh, you learned a lot when you're in Asia. I- <laughs> <laughs> but no, so we lived over there. Um, and then in, but I mean, go, going to London before you get, hop into London. I mean, there's not much of a there's not a huge cultural difference between London and the United States. But in, in China, what what was the biggest culture shift as a as a middle school guy? I think the amount of people that you meet and the people because we I had friends from over fifteen different countries, and back then it, there was no face. I think Facebook just was starting to get popular. Still MySpace. But everyone was, you know, oh, you know, I'm from Italy, I'm from Australia, or my dad's a diplomat, and you're meeting all these people, and now I can go back on Facebook and see, like, hey, where's, you know, Victor Brunsleff? He's in London. Holy crap, I've got to go meet up with him. And it's just the amount of people that you meet, and you don't think, you know, a foreigner can live in China where there were people that lived over there for five, six, ten years, grew up there, and the schools are massive. Yeah. So I I loved it, uh, you know. And you have to remember, I'm the oldest of five kids, four boys, one girl. And at the time, it's a one-child policy. Right. So is every, it is it not still a one-child? I mean, it, now they allowed two because China has a influx of men to women right now. Yeah. So over there, people take photos. You know. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely some. You you can bet that there's some testosterone that is. Building up in China right now. <laughs> I mean, yes, there's some political background to this, but absolutely. <laughs> so, the, oh gosh, I haven't even thought about that. So then, so moving on. So in 08, my dad said we're moving to London. Still with. And you're uh, at what age? I'm in eighth grade, so that would maybe 12th. Or okay. no, I'm, I'm 12 eighth years grade, old. Eighth grade, eighth grade. Yeah. So 12 years old, and. My dad's like, hey, we're still with Whirlpool. We're going to move over to London. And then it turned into, actually, we're going to move to Boston. And we're in Iowa in the time. Did y'all, did y'all end up moving to London or not? No, we didn't. In the okay. le- and I think like in a two-week span, my dad said, hey, I got a job in Muscatine, Iowa. We're moving back to where your mom grew up. And so I know at an early age, your dad was working Procter Gamble, and that's why you guys were moving around so much. But then... He did a career change, and now that's what he, he just people kept my father. One thing to know about him is such a humble guy where he works harder than anything. And you know, living in Asia was great, but at the same time, 
when we'd come back in the summers, we wouldn't see my dad for two, three months because he was constantly working. He didn't like that. So anytime he would fly back to Iowa, his favorite moments was when we held a sign in the Moline airport saying, dad, welcome back. <laughs> that's funny. But he, he would constantly be working and having all these opportunities grow. And that's something that I look at as, you know, you work hard, you put in your time, people are going to notice that. Mm-hmm. And people will reach out and say, hey, I have this opportunity over here. Do you want to go? And they just kind of said, yeah, why not? And we were talking about this this last weekend. My, when my parents told my grandmother or both families that, hey, we're, we put in our notice for international travel, everyone thinks, you know, we're going to London, Paris, right. Italy. Yeah. No, we're going to Asia. <laughs> yeah. So we, so There's a big difference. Oh, yeah. So we moved back to Iowa, where my mom grew up in Bettendorf. Um, was there for four years, did all high school there. My nickname in high school was actually called China. Because um, it was funny, because I walked in the first day and the teachers introduced me. Hey, everyone, we have a new student from China. <laughs> and in so walks everybody's, me. Everybody's thinking, man, this, guy, this guy's going to come, man. He's going to be short, he's Asian, whatever. I mean, the typical... Asian bull haircut. No, this guy walks in. He's blonde hair, blue eyes, AJ Jade. They're like, "What? Who is this kid?" They're, they're ready to. They're ready to ask. You know, for for math help and. But okay, then, not uh, that. Okay, I'm, I'm going too far. But, uh. but no, it, it's so it was just kind of a big culture shock coming back and okay, we're back in Iowa where you know we grew up um, in the summers and my parents have instilled in us those values from the Midwest. So being back, we loved it. I was so much closer to football games. And then in senior year of high school, my parents, you know, jokingly said, we'll support you wherever you want to go to school. (laughs) But the check's going to Ames, Iowa. And I'm like, (laughs) no, no, no. Joking, all joking aside, I loved Iowa State. I went there for uh, five years. Someone once told me going to school for four years is like leaving the party at 1030 on a Friday night. (laughs) So did you purposely fail a class or did you just actually hear... I didn't fail any classes. I never failed a class. I dropped one, two classes, actually, a Chinese literature class and one math class. And then uh, I retook a class, but it was the same class for fun. I took wine okay. and spirits class. So you made twice. sure you got five years out of college. Yes. Yeah, so I double majored, double minored. I, what was your major? International business and marketing with a minor in Mandarin and a leadership certificate. A minor in Mandarin. That's a joke. You're a new Mandarin. <laughs> I mean, it's so, but you're learning and you're constantly learning. Like I still keep in touch with my uh, Chinese professor. Uh, I worked as a bartender in college. That was something my parents said, you know, when you turn 16, before you get a car, you have to get a job. And I've had a job since I was, you know, 15, 16. Uh, I was in a fraternity, Theta Chi, uh, Heavily involved in the athletic department. Uh, yeah, you were. I mean, uh, I do that when we came to Ames uh, earlier this year for the Big 12 championship regular season title. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, AJ's in here somewhere, but, you know, he's probably in the rafters or he's – who knows where he is. I look courtside, first row, midcourt. You're in this <laughs> Iowa State Cyclone Christmas sweater. Argyle sweater, first of all. That. Whatever that it thing is. It was hideous, whatever it was. But I'm like, I, okay, he's you know he's got some Iowa State connections. Well, you know, it's uh, I have uh, a lot of people that I still keep in touch with at Iowa State still, and it's just something where, you know, my dad has 
tickets still for uh, basketball games. And when I graduated, I told my dad, I'm like, I want to get season tickets. He's like, okay, well, I've got two season tickets you can buy from me. And I still think he upcharges me for, you know, all that He's I did. He's making money <laughs> off you. I'm like, well, no, no, but no, it's, so we have tickets. He actually has a tailgate trailer, an Iowa State tailgate trailer that is his pride and joy, besides his kids. And this thing has a grill. And that's TV. why you go out there every football weekend. Oh, abso- absolutely. Because you guys are out there tailgating at 6.30 in the morning. Well, I mean, what else is there to do in Iowa? Besides, that's, that's you know, great, the corn That's a great and point. That's a great point. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> so I, I lived five years at Iowa State, loved every moment of it, and then uh, moved to Arkansas for work for six months, and then made my way kind of down I-35, down to Dallas, and that's where I'm at now. So you moved from Ames to, uh, to Arkansas, and what were you doing in Arkansas? What was your role? I was working for a company called BNSF Logistics. So I was in their sales development program with a focus on international sales. Uh, so it was like college all over because I was in Northwest Arkansas. So I was in the University of Fayetteville, right next to, we were about five minutes from Dixon Street, also six hours from Ames, Iowa. So every Friday, hmm. I would literally, when five o'clock hit, I yeah. was... You don't have to tell me. I mean, you're, you go there every weekend and you're in Dallas right now. So you, I mean, needless to say, you're, you're still going. So I did that and then moved down to Dallas uh, with their international program. Uh, down here where I met Brian Genjin, who's my mentor, uh, still someone that I admire very much and I still keep in touch with. Uh, and then since then, had a few different jobs down here, and I kind of love it. You know, I have two problems with Dallas. The first is no one knows how to drive. No, no one, one knows how to drive? No one uses a turn well, signal. Well, look, man, it's not Ames, Iowa, where you, there's no cars on the road and you just do whatever you want. Okay, but we have tractors in Iowa. That's the first pro- That's the first thing. <laughs> yeah, you got to watch out for the tractors <laughs> and the tumbleweeds. <laughs> that's Lubbock, first of all, the tumbleweeds. <laughs> but no, no one uses a turn signal down here. It's actually proven one in three people in Dallas or in Texas aren't insured, and you have to get special hail damage for your car for insurance. And two, you have to go to a liquor store to get liquor. What do you mean you have to go to a liquor store to get liquor? I mean, that, if you want to go to you want to get a burger, you go to a burger place. No, but here's the thing: if I want to get my eggs, my bacon, and my vodka on a Friday morning, I want to go to one store. And so you're saying they have that in Ames, you, Iowa, you, no, no, in China, and every every other radical place you've lived. You can go to a gas station, Casey's gas station. Shout out to Casey's breakfast pizza. First of all, uh, you can get a fifth of vodka. You can get. Pizza at a gas station. Okay, but here, here's a here's a better question: Who wants vodka and eggs? And well, okay, eggs is. I mean, who, who needs? Yeah, okay, you need eggs and sausage in the morning. You're whipping up some breakfast, but who needs vodka with their breakfast? I mean, have you ever heard of brunch? It's like the trendy trendiest thing to do now with all the girls. You know, let's go pregame for brunch with either mimosas with champagne and orange juice or vodka and no, orange actually, juice. Actually, you know what? I, I've come to the conclusion that I know what it is in Ames, Iowa. You guys always get the 11 a.m. kickoff game because it's the only time you guys are going to be televised. And so your games are at 11 a.m. So if you're wanting to pregame or go to a tailgate, you got to buy alcohol in the morning. Wrong. We actually keep drinking all night and we just show up at the tailgate and we do what's, <laughs> co- we do what's called the kegs and eggs. Wow. <laughs> but no, it's... Uh... I believe it. All right. So you're in Dallas. You, you said the two things you don't like. What, what about the things you do like about Dallas? I love how open it is and just the opportunities, but the people you meet down here... So I live in downtown Dallas, uptown, and it is spectacular. There's 
you know, if you want to run, they have the lake. You can drive anywhere. You can go all the way to Fort Worth, and that's old, old Texas country, like Billy Bob's. Have you been to the stockyards? I have. Okay. Yeah. So, well, yeah, you grew up here. So. Yeah, of course. But no, it's, it's just something where down here, it's just special. It feels like home. I can get anywhere I need to if I need to fly anywhere. Um, it, it's just, it's truly a special place. And I tell people, like, I think they have some of the best brisket in the world here at Pecan Lodge. Pecan Lodge? Where's Pecan Lodge? It's right in Deep Elm on, okay. I want to say Main Street. Now you got to take me there sometime. Oh, yeah. Okay, but we're going we're gonna to jump into, so you, uh, for people that are just coming out of college and they don't know what the heck they want to do. And, I mean, what happens is kids, and I'm kind of now in this position, you you uh every year structured i mean school okay next year of school and then you're doing your classwork and then in college you're having a good time doing whatever your hobbies are but then now you're now you're out of college now you got to find a career the real world sets in but you you're a very good networker you have an abundance of connections not just in the u.s or iowa or dallas you have connections all over the world mm-hmm. and I mean, some of that's because of where you grew up and all the play, all the different places you've lived. But a big part of that is you go. I don't know what your work schedule, vacation. <laughs> uh, I don't know what kind of employer you have that allows you to go on so many vacations or trips. But every time I look at your your social media, you're at a different airport in a different country, and you're just doing all sorts of different things. So walk me through some of the coolest places you've been. Or you can even start with, I know you worked with, uh, you worked with Nike and that's mm-hmm. kind of how you and I ended up getting touched through, uh, through Davy day. But let's start, let's start there. How did you get the job with Nike? Okay. So this is actually, this is one of my favorite stories. I was interning in China after freshman year. So I, there's a program called absolute internship and I was, uh, they help students find study abroad uh, or work abroad opportunities for a month, two, three months all over the world. And I wanted to go back to Shanghai because I loved it. So I was at a nightclub called Mint and they have shark tanks. And I mean, they're small sharks, but still. And when I go out, I like to have a drink or two. And there's a gentleman there. His name's Christopher Thomas, CT. And he looked lonely. And, you know, I'm just going to go talk to him. And we just started talking late. It was about 2 a.m. And I was like, oh, I'm going into athletics and marketing. I want to get into, you know, athletics when I graduate here in three, four, seven years, whenever I decide to leave Iowa State. And he's like, oh, well, here's my business card. I'd love to show you what I do. Come to my hotel tomorrow. And I'm thinking, this is how the movie Taking gets started. <laughs> China edition. Agent shows up and you never see him. His heart is sold on the black market. And <laughs> so here's I, my card come to my room and, and he leaves and he leaves and I'm like oh and I'm freaking out because I'm like what do I do and everything and I'm like you know what I'm just going to take a chance like I'm in a foreign country let's just try this and I looked at where he was staying he was staying at the Ritz Carlton in Shanghai this goes for five six hundred dollars a night yeah. and I walk into the lobby again I have I just met this guy and I go into the lobby and I get escorted by three Russian Spetsnaz, ex-Spetsnaz guys with suits, earpieces, and everything. And they're like, are you Mr. Jaden? I'm like, if I say yes, are you going to kidnap me? They're like, no, we've been expecting you. Come with us. So I go to the elevator, go up to the penthouse. They're not saying anything. And I'm just like, 
what's going on? And of course, I'm wearing an Iowa State shirt. And <laughs> we go into the penthouse, and there's Christopher Thomas and Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant. Kobe. I, I kid you not, look on your phone and type in Kobe Selfie China. And the first photo you find on Google, I'm in the bottom right-hand corner. That's from the Guangzhou Times um, back in oh, back in 2016, I believe. So from there, I was just like, oh. Yeah, I mean, you see Kobe Bryant. You walk in the hotel room. Is your, your jaw just hit the floor or what? I mean, pretty, pretty much. And, that, and then CT was like, so this is what I do. I, you know, he trains basketball players. And so he's based in Indianapolis. Phenomenal guy. He's worked with. He's Nike exclusive, one of the nicest guys in the world. And I just got to meet him and Kobe Bryant. And we just went on like a day or two tour that I started working with, you know, a few years later. And I just kept in touch with CT. I would email him once every week or every two weeks saying, this is what I'm doing. You know, I want to come work for you. And he finally said, okay, come work for me. And that's where I got involved with all the athletes, you know, in Indianapolis. So like, uh, Brandon Dawson from Michigan State, Michael Cobbins uh, from Okie State, Gavin Schilling from Michigan State, Gary Harris, yep. who plays for the Nuggets now, um, Fred Van Vliet. Yep. His brother and I were trainers. Uh, NBA champion. Oh, yeah. the nicest guy in the world. He, is, he gives so much back to uh, Rockford, where he's from. Uh, then I'd go over to China and work with their teams over there, and then when they would send over like players, I would help facilitate their whole tour. From where they would stay, where they would eat, how do you get you know Kobe from the Beijing airport to his hotel? So you help with that. What was your exact role with? I mean, I mean, you, what was what was your job description? Unofficially, I was their babysitter slash bitch because uh, <laughs> I just make sure everyone's having fun and a good time. I was the external relations director. Okay, so you saw Kobe for that first time, and did you just happen to be in the room, or did you actually end up having? other encounters with him while working for Nike. I had other encounters while working with him. There was one time I got to the airport or I got to the office one day when I was in Beijing and my boss said, Hey, do you have your passport with you? I'm like, yeah, I, I do. But Kobe's coming on Friday. This is on a Wednesday. He's like, here's a plane ticket. You're flying to LA to pick up Kobe. I'm like, what? Like, yeah, here's your other plane ticket. When you land on Thursday, you got to fly with Kobe back. Well, you have to. Oh, oh no, I have to fly with Kobe Bryant. Well, he, here's the thing: they rented out the uh, whole first class suite for him. The whole first class was for him. So I land on what airline? Uh, China Eastern, actually. Wow. So I took China Eastern, or no, Air China from Beijing to LA. Went through immigration. I didn't have anything with me. I just had my backpack, my laptop, and a few books. Went through immigration, went up to the lounge, shocker, and yeah. met, met Kobe and the team. And I got on the same exact plane that I'd just flown, on it, flown in on, but now I'm 40 rows up in first class instead of sitting back in economy with the peasants. Uh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> and now you're in first class with Kobe Bryant and, every, and it's, it's rented out. There's nobody else up there? I mean, you have, you have to think of all the media, the crew executives that Nike's sending over yeah, that we're working with um, and then just helping with the whole tour. So that was one. Kevin Durant was another player I got to work with. 
Um, LeBron James was another. Nah, come on. Give me, I mean, you can't just throw out these big-time names and not give me, like, an encounter or a story. I mean, Kevin Durant, he's phenomenal at 2K. His uh, brother is one of the nicest guy in the world. Katie's mom. Oh, she's a sweetheart. She's. We know that. <laughs> what's his? Uh, what's Kevin Durant's brother do? That I don't know. Um, he, he does a lot of. Uh, actually, he does a lot of uh, community service for the community, and then I think he's helping his brother with, you know, whatever needs to be done. LeBron James, the man doesn't stop working. The the man is. Now, granted, LeBron James is all about him. But he's one of the. He's one of the best, but Kobe, on the other hand, will know your first name, last name, and where you're from within the first hour of meeting you. Really? He'll remember that. And we've spent, he's like, Asia, we're staying 15, 20 extra minutes. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I mean, how does he, did you ask, like, were you shocked when he said AJ Jaden from, well, I don't know. Oh, he'd, he'd ask, you know, what's Iowa like? Like, because I told him I'm from, it's funny because I'd be the only white guy on this tour besides security or besides some media. And I'm just like, what the heck is going on? And it was because of that, uh, in China, if you have like a foreigner, it shows that, Hey, you have money, you have wealth. And that's what they used to do in the early 2000s, 90s is Chinese companies would pay for a foreigner to come over to China, sit in their office for maybe a few hours a day and give them 10 grand a month. All expenses paid because China is all about relationships. And I still have friends over there that, and that's where it transpired to meeting people in Europe where my senior year of college, I missed close to two months of school seeing uh, Michael Cobbins play in Greece. You missed two months of school. Well, I, I, was spent, I spent, yeah, I, between going over, to Europe, going over to Asia with my parents for family vacation and then going to Greece to watch Michael Cobbins play. Because I, I have a deal with all these players that come out of college of, you know, you've never been abroad. Let me help, you know, with whatever you need. If you need, uh, how do you get groceries? And, you know, do you want me to bring over some things? Like with Gavin Schillen, I brought over the biggest bottle of ranch I could for him in Germany. Because he couldn't find ranch. But I'd go over there and just, just spend time with him. Get to, you know... Because having that friendly face means a lot. And just someone that they can... And they'd call me and like, hey, can you plan this trip for me? Like, yeah, I did a whole tour for Michael Cobbins. I brought his parents over with me the week before I graduated. And everyone looked at me like, are you going to graduate? I'm like, well, I'm like, supposed to come back. Well, you, you were probably thinking, man, I, uh, six years, six, seven years in college wouldn't be too bad. <laughs> well, a- actually, as I'm walking across the stage, I texted my parents. I'm like... Can I come for? A, can I stay for a sixth year? And my mom yeah. texted back, "I will literally throw you across the stage to <laughs> leave." So no, my parents both. So okay, so you're finished with, or you're working with Nike. How long did that last? And how long did that role last? I'm sure you built. I mean, four, connection. It, it lasted about three, four years. I still keep in touch with them. They still say, "Hey, can we have? You know, can you give us some ideas? Can you still talk with us on different options?" And it transpired to people here. In, the U.S. and Europe were saying, hey, there's this player that we want you to come work out with. Or, I mean, not work out. Cause talk to, connect with. I'm short, white, and can't hit the rim. You know, yep. kind of like you. 
Uh, kind of like you off the tea box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two in the coffee mug <laughs> in someone's house. <laughs> okay, so so you're finished working with Nike, and then what, what, what? Where do you go from there? From there, you know, I still keep in touch with them. Uh, and then I was interviewing with companies, and I had that on my resume, but I kept talking about international, international. And no one's going to take you for international right off the bat. You have to build, you know, your resume, your experience. So that's where I had to take a step back and say, what do I want to do? And the path is to get back over to China or to Asia some way, somehow. So that's where BNSF said, hey, you know, we have this program. What does BSNF stand for? Burlington Northern Santa Fe. Okay. So they're... BNSF. BNSF. Okay. So Berkshire Hathaway Company owned by Warren Buffett, the man himself. Excuse me. And he... So he owns the railroad, and then there's the logistics side that helps with trains, planes, boats, and trucks. So I did that for about a year and a half. I, I enjoyed it, learned a lot, um, then went to work with a trucking company in New Jersey in October of last year. So in 2018, I left BNSF, went over to this company called BYC. And then in March, they called and said, hey, we want you to move to New Jersey now. I said, no, I'm here in Dallas. I, I want to stay in Dallas. Right. And they're like, you have two weeks to move out here. Oh, and by the way, you have to know, uh, you have to give us an answer in 24 hours. <laughs> I'm on my way to Taco Tuesday with a friend, uh, which I celebrate religiously down here. Yeah, we know. You have a Taco Tuesday shirt. And an account. Thanks, Dad, for the shirt. You know, what? When I was single uh, down here, I used to call them Taco Tuesday dates. Taco Tuesday dates. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's something you would do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, a lot of people. This is going to come a shock to a lot of people. I didn't have a job for half of March, all of April, and half of May. Wow, I didn't have so, a job. So that's really when the the post college stress kind of comes in. And so you're, you're applying, I'm sure you were applying to places like crazy. You're trying to pull out all your connections, trying to figure out what you wanted to do. I, d- I did. And I had saved up a lot of money. Now, granted, I, that was a really tough moment for me because, uh, I'd also gone through a breakup in January. No, I know. And you know, most things happen like one every year I had two major life changes happen all right for the record man i mean first quarter i can't help but put this on air or the podcast but you brought up the breakup i didn't so you took i don't know we we could say her name we don't have to say her name you took this girl to asia for three weeks for three weeks and you know you pretty much uh accommodated the vacation for her and you get back and she breaks up with you. Is, is on a phone correct? call. On a phone call. This is like six, phone call. six days afterwards. She calls and says, I'm done. I don't want you to move out with me. And we've been dating for three and a half years. And to me, there's two types of people I don't like in the world. People that are liars and people that use others. And that was, however you want to generalize it, I was used for a three-week trip to Asia. And Asia is very important to me. <laughs> It is. Maybe she didn't plan on using you for age, but then she she just saw a different side of AJ, and maybe you're wild. And I'm just kidding. I don't know what happened. I had, I had taken her to Europe before, and she said, I've been feeling this way for seven months. And I'm like, 
Uh huh. Yeah. So that, but uh, okay, we don't have to get into all the details. I just want to put it on air that that's kind of how it went down. Who, who wants a free trip to Asia, pretty much yeah. at this point? But no. So you know what I did after the breakup? I flew to London for the weekend. Yeah, I remember that because you, uh, after the breakup, it was shortly after you came to Lubbock, Texas for the Texas Tech basketball game versus your uh, the Iowa State Cyclones from some other IS, IS something school. And, <laughs> and then right after that, you said, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to spend the weekend in London. I'm like, who goes to London for a weekend? Most people plan out for like six months in advance. Hey, I'm going to go to Europe. I'm going to plan this. You're just like, you know, what? I'm going to go to London for just the weekend. It. So I left on Thursday night, got there Friday morning. I spent about 50 By yourself. You flew out there by yourself. By myself. I have a lot of friends that I care about in London from uh, working abroad, studying abroad in Italy. Uh, and I had people flying from Russia, Spain, Italy. You know, People take the train in from outside of London to come and see me. And it was just kind of like, let's celebrate AJ being single. <laughs> which... <laughs> I was, I mean... I'm not even going to get into what that consists of, but probably pretty PG activities, I'm assuming. You know, I almost had a, I had a fraternity brother, TJ Paisant, who was in Germany, and he almost tried to come out and see, see me, but sadly, uh, it just didn't work out. So he made it up and saw me in Germany okay. over spring break. And this kind of gets into, so you go to London by yourself, but you're meeting, I mean, 50, what would you say? 10, 25 20 people, people. 25 people out there. And that, that kind of gets into, it's a great segue into how do you connect with all these people? Why do you have, I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, put you on a pedal, but you, you're very talented at staying in touch with people and not necessarily networking is not the, the best word to use, but socializing and then keeping, I mean, a lot of people, they'll get to know somebody for a time of their life. And then five years later, you know, they haven't talked to them. And in five years. So what is your strategy in uh, keeping in touch with your friends or these people that you've met? The first is I'm very direct with when I say, you know, let's keep in touch. When I studied abroad in Italy, I did a big toast at the end. And I said to all 60 people, all of the students, I said, when we get on the bus tomorrow, I want you to look at everyone and tell them either one of two things. Let's keep in touch. And if you say that, actually mean it. Or just say, hey, it was a great you know, three months. Because I don't like people that are like, let's keep in touch and we really don't. Because then I'm wasting your time and my time. So like I have my own business card, personal business card that I hand out to people. I know they're not going to call me. They're not going to text me. But with social media nowadays, like that's why I'm posting a lot of ham in the lounge or hey, I'm flying to this place because of the people over there that I haven't seen. But it's also knowing that, hey, I've got friends all over, or I've had fraternity brothers fly into Italy, and I have friends that are taking care of them. I have friends that fly into London, I got friends taking, being taken care of, but it's talking with people, it's a two-way street, first of all. But you have to implement, hey, I wanna reach out to you. And you kinda of almost have to bug them to say, Let's keep in touch or not. Yeah, you've, been, how... you've been bugging me for, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but no, I would say like, yeah, I mean, the way, sometimes the way I, I get in a bad habit of, you know, I've had all these teammates, I've had these friends and you just kind of assume that, hey, he's busy, he's selfish, not, not, not really in a selfish way, but he's pursuing his goal right now and I'm pursuing mine. We're both busy. So we just haven't talked in a while and next time we run into each other, you know, we'll, 
which is fine. It, it's perfectly fine to do that. For me, on the other hand, I like to keep in touch because you never know what's going to happen. It's like when I was looking for jobs, I was reaching out to people that I hadn't talked to in years. And it was kind of a prideful thing because I didn't boast, you know, that, hey, I don't have a job because my pride was like, you know, Adrian's got everything under control in his life. Yeah. (laughs) Which a lot and a lot of people were surprised when they heard that, oh, you don't have a job. I'm like, no, I I don't because I didn't want to move to New Jersey. And I'm stuck in like, not going to say that I was stuck in Dallas, but I wanted to stay in Dallas. And it just connecting with people and reaching out to them, even if it's just a like one of my favorite things in college I used to do is just drive this is gonna sound so iowan but i would drive through the cornfields <laughs> in my car not my tractor but i would call friends from like uh like sean sutherland who's driving in the cornfield calling but, people but but just calling catching up with people even here in dallas i'll go for a walk and i'll go on a two three hour phone call with like tj Payson or like uh so do you, do you do you plan this out do you wake up and say or do you have a designated day where hey this is a day where I'm going to kind of reach out to my friends and kind of stay in touch and interact with them to keep the connection going. I do it before I board an airplane and I go through all Which my... Which is t- all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but I go through all my texts and I see... And I scroll down a ways and I'm like... Is this before you start drinking or after you start drinking? Because I don't know how many Snapchats, Instagram stories I've seen <laughs> of you. It doesn't matter what time it is. You could have a 6 a.m. flight or a... 11 p.m. flight or a <laughs> 2 o'clock p.m. flight on a Sunday, you're gonna have you're gonna have some Tito's and you're gonna have some Tito's there. You're, oh, yeah. I don't know what drink. Gin and tonic or a Bloody Mary or a margarita is my go-to. You know the song "Drunk on a Plane" by Dirk Bentley. No, I do. But, that's yeah. my theme song. Anytime I land, like that's what I'm playing. No, I, uh, I. Granted, I'm not a you know alcoholic by any means. I just like you know it's a free drink. It's a free drink. I'm. Just, you're not going to turn it down, but it's something where everyone's on their phone and right before takeoff, just go through your phone and say, who haven't you talked to? Or go on Facebook. Everyone's, here's the thing. Everyone's getting our age and you'll see this here soon. Everyone's going to be getting engaged. They're going to be buying a house, having kids, and I'm going to be trying to figure out where I'm flying to next. But besides that, (laughs) sorry, so hold on. By By you bringing that out, are you trying to say that you're doing. I mean, I, I'm doing what I what I. You're want selfishly to do. doing what you want to do. You're traveling the world. You're. you're but you're, I'm keeping in touch with people because for me relationships are extremely important, and I love connecting people wherever I'm at with others. Okay, here's a question for you. Yeah. Uh, let's say there's some some divine intervention that occurs, and you end up getting married, and you have you have your own family. So what, I mean, do you think you'll be as, uh, you think you'll still stay in touch with all these people? Absolutely. Okay. And, I believe it. I believe and, it. I mean, you're not going to let your fam. I mean, first of all, all my kids are going to go to Iowa State. Let's be honest. Um, yeah. Bless but, hearts. <laughs> first, first I got to find someone and I got to have kids, but no, that's something where I think, uh, no matter how old you get, you can always keep in touch. It, it's funny. When I go back to Iowa State, everyone knows my parents. I have fraternity people, uh, fraternity brothers that are like, you know, tell, and I'd be like, tell me about my dad. And my dad put a cone of silence on me, so I don't know anything about him in college back in the 1800s. Uh, <laughs> but it, it just amazes me how people, we were talking about this earlier, how people will go to happy hours or networking events 
and you hand them a business card, you better damn email them or call them within 24 hours. I have right, a rule. I mean, hand, handwritten letter. I mean, handwritten, I mean, oh yeah, handwritten letters for, you know, thank yous and everything. That's what I did, you know, for people that were helping me with jobs and, or even buying them, you know, dinner or coffee, just saying, hey, you know, thank you. It goes a long ways. But just reaching out to people, if you have a business card and you, I have a whole stack, probably a box full of business cards. And when friends are like, hey, I want to, excuse me, when friends want to network and say, hey, who can I talk to? I say, look at my box of business cards and see if anyone, you know, comes to mind. Yeah. Because I'm not going to, one, ruin my reputation. With, I, I will help whoever with getting a job or connecting people. But I've had friends that, and I've learned that if I say, hey, I'm going to introduce you to uh, someone or I think you would be great for fine. People will come, like Iowa State will say, I want to talk to your dad. I'm like, no, because you're going to waste his time that I don't feel that special. That, because that's something that's very important to me. I remember we were at a football game and my, this girl came up and she was talking and she was like, she wants to go into finance and everything. And my father, a very humble guy, gave her his business card and then goes into the game and she's out there and she's looking at this and all my brothers are like, you call him and you text him tomorrow and you email him. She's like, why? I'm like, because he's the CFO and president of Han H&I and he doesn't hand out his business card very often. Oh, your dad's big time, huh? I mean, oh, he, he is, but he's one of the most humbling guys and just grew up. He takes care of everyone. So he's, he's the CFO for which company? It's called H&I Han. So he's, he's their president of international business. Okay. So he travels over to Asia more than I do. He's, Man, that's he's a lot. The, he's, him and my mom are who I try and be because they have friends all over the world that have said, you know, hey, if any of your kids, when they travel abroad or work abroad, they need help, call. And I, thankfully, I've had not, haven't had to do that. But it's just that growing up over there. So what are you getting into? The, so what your dad does? Do you know? Do you have an idea of what you might want to do? Or right now, are you just kind of living the the like? It's not selfish, but it's like, hey, I want to go experience the world. I'm traveling all the time. I'm living a good life. I'm in Dallas. I mean, I'm do it now before I get you know married and have have, have kids. other like, responsibilities. Have, have other responsibilities, but also at the same time make a career out of of what you're doing. Don't find a job, find a career. And I tell people that I had a friend who's like, AJ, you get to travel so much and everything. And I'm like, you don't understand. I'm up at 3 a.m. talking with people in Europe or in Asia. It's a lot of hard work. And so I'm, you're up at 3 a.m.? Oh, we're just talk, talking with people in either Europe or Asia with no. the different consulting roles that I'm doing. But it's also understanding that, hey, when I didn't have a job, all summer, I was being a bouncer at Happiest Hour downtown. The most fun I've ever had. But I gave up all my weekends. Yeah, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I couldn't come out. And I wanted to come out with you guys. Yeah, I know you did. But it's... You wanted to play golf. You wanted to do other stuff. But I think you... It probably behooved you to be a bouncer at Happiest Hour. I don't know how the heck you became a bouncer. I mean, if I walked white, in there... I'm short and white. I'm six foot. White. I don't know what your bench press is. There's got to be a requirement. I guess there's just What's not many press. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, it's, but I, I remember you, you would come over this, uh, during the summer to watch the, those NBA final yeah. games. Obviously, you're, you're, you're a big fan of Fred Van Vliet having Thanks that for connection. for the $20, by the way. 
and we're not going to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, but you would come over all the time. You're like, oh man, I got to get home early. You'd leave at halftime or whatever, and you'd you have to be up the next morning to go to American Airlines. Because I'd work the happiest hour. Fi- I'd work there at five. So here's what I would do in the summer. I'd work for American Airlines from five a.m. till about noon, one o'clock. I'd come home. I'd sleep for about three or four hours. And then I would go be a bouncer at happiest hour from about 6 to midnight, sometimes 2 a.m. And I'd get, you know, a few hours of sleep. And that keeps you, that also keeps you with uh, people that, in my opinion, they graduate college and they're used to the, okay, it's the weekend. Let's go out every weekend. Let's have a good time, which there's nothing wrong with that. But, I mean, that's, that's a good balance. I mean, people that work, you know, 9 to 5 every day, you want to you wanna experience the yeah. weekend. You want to look for. I mean, people look forward to the weekend like it's Christmas. But you, I mean... You kind of realize, man, I'm, I'm wasting some money on the weekends. This is a great opportunity for me to... But I also knew that I wanted my goals in life were a lot bigger than others. And not, not saying that mine are far surpassed anyone else's, but I understood that, hey, I got to make some sacrifices and I've got to put in hard work to get to where I want to go. And I'm still not there, but like I wasn't able to go... Uh, I think one trip that I really wanted to go to was back to Asia with my parents for the 4th of July. And I told them, hey, I can't do it because I need to work. They're going back to Asia for the 4th of July. My parents travel. My dad flies over to Asia a lot, and my mom went with, and they wanted to go over to Thailand and Bali. And I was like, I kind of want to. They didn't want to celebrate American independence? Is that my design? I mean, it comes around every year, but my parents (laughs) wanted to go over, and I was like, yeah, I kind of want to go over this time and, you know, not have to worry about anything when I fly back. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But no, it's uh, a lot of people I'm learning coming out of college, they don't know what they want to do. They find a job and they're happy with it and they're not willing to take risks. I took a risk when I didn't have a job. And, you know, I flew out to California to watch the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. And then I flew up Yeah, to- you're taking all kinds of risks. You're taking different kinds of risks as in... Hey, uh, you're going to go to your employer and say, I'm not going to be here this day. I'm going to be here this no, no, day. No, then I didn't have a job. Okay. The, you, I, got, you were unemployed at the time. I, I was unemployed okay. for that. Oh, okay. I, that's why I was so able to do it. But also, I didn't were have Were you unemployed income. up to when you went to the national championship? Absolutely. Wow. When I was driving from – so I – that game – so I was in LAX after you guys won the big – or after the you guys won the Elite Eight. And when the, I found out you guys were playing Michigan State, who was one of my clients with Nike and I'm still close with, my phone blew up. Everyone texted me, can I get tickets? Can I get tickets? And I'm like, guys, I won't even be there for the final four, but I'll be there for the national championship. And I booked a flight, uh, a one-way to Chicago. It was because that was the cheapest. And I mean, you, you got in touch with uh, David. Obviously, I couldn't get you tickets. You, I mean, the NCAA gives us six. My family's... All here, Davide. I mean, yeah. only his mom and brother. brother could come from Italy. But I, that but, was something that, even with Davide, and Davide knows this, I'm so thankful for everything that he's done with you know tickets and just that relationship that I've had with him. And yeah, I told him, you paid him off. Real, I mean, you you showed your appreciation for the tickets when he gave you a ticket and to a tech game, and you wore an Iowa State shirt to the game. Unbelievable. <laughs> okay, but what am I yelling as soon as he comes out? I hope you airball in Iowa State one. <laughs> <laughs> Ciao, Bella. Ciao, ch- Hello, beautiful. And that's something that's actually. <laughs> but no, that's how, you know, I got to the game for the national championship. 
And I had so much fun and I'm yelling that. And that was the first time I met your dad and he turns around and looks at me and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to say this all game <laughs> and people, and everyone knew that I was very close with Davide, but I didn't, you know, go out and, you know, I don't post a lot of photos with basketball players of, Hey, I'm over here. I'm doing this with this basketball player. Yeah. And I don't know if it's by design, like you can just say, Hey, I know Kobe, or I've, I've worked with Kobe Bryant, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, all these players. And yeah, you actually do have pictures of Kobe Bryant, but you know, you can just say, well, Maybe it's easier to – why don't you have pictures? I mean, the first thing, if I see LeBron James, I mean, I'm not – obviously I want to, you know, have a short conversation, but if he's – normally he's going to be busy. I'm, hey, yeah. let's, take, let's, take, let's take a picture. I mean, it's LeBron James, the best basketball player of all time. I mean, so, I mean, that, I remember – One of. When I was in China, um, someone didn't want – I didn't want to take a photo with Kobe because, you know, it's professionalism, but they get asked all the time for photos and everything. And it was towards the end of the first tour, the first of three that I worked with him, where he said, hey, his team was like, hey, AJ, you want to get up a photo with him? I'm like, sure, I wouldn't, I'd love to. He was like, yeah, get over here. Let's take a photo together. So there's a photo of us, or like Maya Moore. She was so much fun to work with, where after the camp was done, she came over to all the basketball trainers. And then there's me, who you know isn't a basketball trainer, but helped with her tour. And she said, okay, who wants to take photos with me? I want to take photos with all of you. And just like having fun and having that excitement with players. But I remember the first time I ever met or that I worked with Kobe on a tour, I'm taking photos and videos of him walking through. There's countless photos and videos of, of him. And I turned to my boss, Michael Van. I'm like, Michael, why aren't you taking photos or videos of this? Like, this is Kobe Bryant. He said, AJ doesn't matter what's on your phone. It matters what's here. And he points at his head and what's here in his heart. <laughs> and I'm like, that is incredible. And it's just like, I mean, did, does Kobe, I mean, did you ever get the sense of, I mean, while he's in China, as big as he is in the United States, he's still huge in China. I mean, yeah. But when, when you're working towards him, did, it, did he ever express how annoyed he gets with everywhere he goes? No. He's getting pictures no. taken of him or is that just kind of the and that's the first to his labor that he's shown that hey I'm, i've made i think it's with any player how you approach them just treat them like a normal human being they they are they they are human they don't have superpowers i mean yeah. yes you have kobe lebron like excuse me you have all these but if you just talk with them like Fran Franchilla on the way back from the Bahamas. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. You, you text me, you're saying, yeah, I'm on the flight from the Bahamas because <laughs> you went out to watch Texas Tech. Cause now, I have now, coffee now, the other week. Now that we've, we've got you uh, drinking, the, you're over on, you're with Texas Tech now a little bit. You're, you're becoming, you're slowly but surely becoming a Texas Tech fan. Hey, you, went to, to, you went to the, the Bahamas to watch <laughs> Texas Tech on uh, your flight on the way home. You're saying to Fran Franchilla and you, you got his number. And I'm like, well, first of all, I mean. I had coffee with him last week. Did you really? I did. You ended up having coffee with him. Mm -hmm. Wow. Just one of the nicest guys. And it's just like, but again, I didn't post it because I don't feel a need to. Because what's the point of posting? Oh, I'm having coffee with Fran Franchilla. I said, I want to take a photo to send it to Davide because I was wearing Davide's Italian jersey. And that's where, you know, we were also on the topic because he's like, oh, yeah, I just got a speeding ticket at University Park. I'm like, so did I. Yeah. <laughs> They'll get you in University yeah, Park. Over, yeah, he lives over in the Highland Park area. Well, he wants to sell it and wants to move downtown. And I'm like, really? I know a great place. Can I move in? He's like, eh. <laughs> yeah. But no, he just, the nice, if you just sit with them and just 
I mean, I knew who it was, but I introduced myself. Hey, I'm AJ. Oh, I'm Fran. Like, you don't play dumb, but you know, like, who they are. You don't just freak. You don't fangirl over that. Like, talk. Like, when you were in college, I mean, Grant, you are the best bench player in Texas Tech history. (laughs) I mean, I don't think there's any other team that has a bench player that has missed an air ball at KU. And KU stuck. Okay, how do you make an air ball? You said I missed an air ball. Okay, well, there's that Iowa State education, first of all. But you airballed in the middle of the rock chalk. And they stopped that. (laughs) I told you that story, and you bring it out on the podcast. Hey, you're going to harass me. I'm going to harass you. But no, it's. That's fair. But that, it's just the relationship that you have with people. You know, being in, you know, on the team. Didn't you? Wasn't it nice when people just actually was like, "Hey, Andrew, how are you?" Or they didn't. When I'm with Davide, if you like, when we talked with him, I don't talk about basketball with you guys. I talk about how's the family, how are classes, because, because that's what everybody wants to talk about. Everybody wants to talk about basketball, so and that's what you're doing all day. And I mean, let's let's talk about something else. Talk to me. Get, get to know them on a personal level. Honestly, I it amazes me people. They want to take a photo. Hey, thanks. Bye. And it's like. Huh? That's what that's what Kevin Hart says. I was listening to this uh, podcast. Kevin Hart was on. I think it was a Joe Rogan podcast. And Kevin Hart was saying, and he's at some nice restaurant. And he gets up, and there's this guy waiting for him, yeah. for him to get up. And he's and Kevin Hart's walking in the bathroom, and he and he's like wanting to take a I've picture with him. And, <laughs> and Kevin Hart, like, okay, he, he he does it real quick, and then the guy's like. The guy was shocked that Kevin Hart didn't say anything funny. He's like, "Yeah, I'm a comedian. I'm not. Gonna, what am I like a zoo animal? I'm just supposed. To, I'm just supposed to be funny 24/7." And then he and then he goes to the bathroom. He goes, "All right, wait right here. You know, I'll I'll sign an autograph or take another picture after the bathroom." And so yeah. he's he's in the bathroom, <laughs> and uh, the guy followed him into the bathroom. And, and then handed him the phone over. Hey, I'm gonna take a selfie yeah. over the stall. And it's just like and Kevin Hart is yeah freaking out. Like, man, I'm just trying to have a dinner, but. Some of those guys, I mean, it's. I bet it's tough to have. I mean, you can't. You can't go anywhere. I mean, I mean Kobe, you, those guys. You, you can't, but it's also it's the atmosphere that you surround yourself with. Like you're not gonna. When we were in L.A. or even in China, we went to these high-end restaurants. Everything was taken care of. Uh, at Happiest Hour, actually, or the new restaurant Tetaseo, uh, we had you know celebrities come in and you just treat them like everyone. Now you know they're celebrity, but you treat them like everyone else. It's. I, that's that's the problem. I mean, like Jarrett Culver. I went back to oh, Lubbock, yeah. Lubbock this past weekend, and obviously he's being from Lubbock and now being the sixth pick in the NBA draft. Everybody wants a picture. Everybody wants to talk to him, and I mean, he can't he can't go anywhere. He, he, can't, he can't enjoy himself, and that's something with basketball players that I say like, I have no problem being security and helping you guys push. <laughs> no, because that's what happened with uh, when George Niang came back after the year after he graduated. Oh, he's a player. Where is George Niang? He, who is he playing he's for at the, He's Utah Jazz. Wow. Oh, that, he's he, a player. He is one of the nicest guys. Him and Matt Thomas. Matt the Thomas shooter. is in Matt the Raptors. Thomas is in, oh, he's with the Raptors. He's he was in the Spain Raptors. and then he came to the Raptors. That's right. He's making like three, four million with the Raptors. Wow. Nice, but nicest guy. I grabbed dinner with them and we were out at the club one time or at the bar and Ames, you know, surprisingly, a bar is like all of two, no, about six or seven. And George was like, AJ, and pulls me into the group. He's like, I want to leave. Let's go to the next bar. I'm like, okay, just follow me. And we went. And I kind of just like, you know, we did the diamond formation where you just put like the flying V where you just push people out of the way. And I'm like, George, let's just go to the next place. Like, 
get you there, let you have some fun, and just tell people, like, hey, he's trying to enjoy himself, like, tonight. Let's. Yeah, I mean, and that's just George Yang, who's, I mean, obviously a great player. And, and, and he'll, t- he'll. Iowa State legend, but you get, I mean, Kobe Bryant, that's a, that's a worldwide legend. I mean, that's. And that's, that, a, that's a different level. And I've learned that anywhere I'm at in the world, it doesn't matter if it's a player or just friends. Like, yes, I love taking photos. But one thing that surprises a lot of people is I don't have a SIM card when I go international. <laughs> because, no, I, I learned this. And my parents said with AJ, we're not worried about him because if, he, if I'm ever in trouble, I can find Wi-Fi anywhere. Just ask your sister. Anywhere she went overseas, she had Wi-Fi. Every restaurant. Yeah, she just got back from Europe, and that's what. Yeah, that's what she was telling me. You go to restaurants, you have the Wi-Fi. And... One of my favorite stories is we were in Cinque Terre, uh, Italy, and we went into this restaurant, and the first thing that these girls that were with us that said, like, they asked the waiter, "What's the Wi-Fi password?" <laughs> and this is my favorite response. He turns to them, "No Wi-Fi for you. You come, you eat, you talk, you pay, you leave." <laughs> and I'm like. You're the best. Because when people go abroad, all they want to do is post photos of, hey, I'm over here, you know, enjoying it. But you're missing, you know, the history. You're missing the culture. Well, I mean, uh, when I was overseas, you're not, depending on your data plan or your coverage, you, you don't have Wi-Fi for the majority of the day. And then you finally sit down at a restaurant. You want to connect the Wi-Fi. Excuse but, me. But that's, so that, that, that is understandable. But I want to get into what is your... You've been to all these. How many countries have you been to? I saw that. I went to your apartment one time. You had that big world map with pins on it. I how think m- I think uh, my brother Michael has more because he's been to South America. But I think I'm in you know mid twenties, close to thirty. I mean, I just added the Bahamas. Uh, I mean, there's okay, so you're so I, I'd say I'd say close maybe twenty eight, twenty nine. I'll go home close and count to, close to thirty. Okay, and tell me one of the. Narrow it down to one of the best, maybe not, maybe not the scariest, or just the, the the. Give me your best story from traveling abroad, besides the Kobe Bryant one, where you walk up to the Ritz Carlton and. Or the, how I flew to London on a dime and just like heck, I'm just gonna go because now yeah. I'm single. No, uh, my best travel story. That's tough. I think uh, it was the first time I went to Europe. I was going over to China, and I flew from Chicago to London, and I stayed with my friend Fahim that I haven't seen in a while. No, actually, this this one's better. It was when I was unemployed. This is the okay. most recent. So I left for Germany to see Gavin Schilling, and I went there for a while. Okay, so who is Gavin Schilling? I, mean, he, I know he, you've been talking about him a lot. He, he played for Michigan State, right. guy from Chicago. Uh, half where is he playing now? In... Uh, Um, Germany. Okay. And I flew into Frankfurt and I went and saw him play and I brought him the bottle of ranch and I had a fraternity brother who was studying abroad in, or he was working abroad in Germany, came down and saw him and we went to the game and then I went back to the airport. This is again, just a weekend trip and I'm sitting in the airport in the Japan Airlines first class lounge having sushi at 6 a.m. with, and I'm like, oh, I want a mimosa. And like, all we have is Dom Perignon. I'm like, Pop that sucker open. Let's drink. <laughs> and this is on a Sunday. And, uh, you know, the flight's filling up. And I'm on my friend's buddy pass that I'm able to get on and just fly for almost practically nothing. And he's like, hey, the flight's filling up. You should fly to Paris just for the heck of it. I'm like, no, I kind of need to get back and everything. He's like, AJ, 
you're unemployed. You don't have a job. Like you have nothing to come home to. And I'm like, yeah. screw it. So I'm so I moved my flight around and went to Paris on a whim. I didn't have a place to stay. I and what is a whim? A whim. What is a whim? Just like a coin flip. Like let's go. Oh, I guess you're saying that. Like I just yeah. I stayed in the airport. I went to like four different lounges and got into Paris. And they said, I uh, stayed at the hotel. I had a friend fly in from London, thankfully, and. I brought back a bunch of food and just seeing people and people were just messaging me of, you're in Paris now? And then I flew back to Dallas and then I flew to, then I drove to uh, Tulsa, watched my Cyclones lose in the first round of the tournament. Yeah, you see that though. They always lose in the first round. Actually, actually, fun fact, Iowa State has won, the last four of six years, we've won the Big 12 title. Or Big 12 tournament. Big 12 tournament. Big 12 tournament. They don't win the title. Okay. You got skill to win the regular season title. Hold on. Were you guys outright title or co-title champs? All I know is when we we were in Ames, we were in, Ames, we were in Ames, Iowa, in the locker room with a Big Twelve trophy dancing. And who was and, and who was outside the locker room waiting for you guys? Some weird looking guy in a in a very hideous <laughs> Christmas like Iowa State Cyclone sweater. That I, I'm known as your guys' ticket guy. Went to Iowa. I'm known as the Iowa State guy, and I think Coach Beard still knows me as the Iowa State kid. Oh, uh, yeah, it's what you're, it's probably what you're labeled. If you don't know your name, you're just the guy that wears Iowa State gear. Hey, it's a lot better than, hey, you at the end of the bench, you're up. Um... Or we can talk about, <laughs> hey, the guy that played college golf and then came <laughs> off the tee box. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. But no, it's, I think that trip was a lot of fun, and I've got a few. I'm going to uh, Tokyo for the weekend, I think, in December, and then China in November. Just the old friends. Now that I'm done being a student athlete, man, I got to get on one of these trips so that you can go abroad. I know hey, you got connections. I know you're Scott, well taken care of. I know you have restaurants. Italy, well, here's you the know thing, the I, owners. I gotta, I gotta get out there with here's, you. Here's the thing: I pay for all my own flights. That, that's the first and foremost. A yeah. lot of people are like your parents. Are like, no, I when I move down here, I'm on my own car insurance, phone bill. Pay for pay for all my own stuff. Right, people. Some, I mean, that's your entertainment. Because some people, you know, they entertain Netflix. They pay for that. They go to the movies. They go to the mall. They buy nice clothes. You're just my entertainment is. I'm gonna go travel. I'm gonna go but, abroad. So Scott's cheap flights is what I would tell you to look for. So it's a free service, and they'll tell you, you know, it's when to, what Scott's cheap flights. Okay. And they'll tell you like flights to Dublin were four hundred dollars, and they tell you like, hey, it's a mistake fare, buy it. You have 24 hours to buy it. Or I have friends that have called me and said, hey, I'm in three weddings this year alone so far. Cool. Um, and then in 2020, the fall of 2020, I have two weddings in London and one in Pakistan. I will you not, have a wedding in Pakistan? Yeah. I'm not going to the one in Pakistan because it's just not safe. But uh, Who do you know in Pakistan that's having a wedding? <laughs> My friends that live in London, he's having he's Pakistani and he's having one wedding okay. in Pakistan and one in London. Uh, but I have friends that are like, can you plan my honeymoon for me? Yeah. Uh, if I, you know, when I get married and I want to go overseas or go on some honeymoon, I'll, pro- I'll probably call you, hey, AJ, where should I go? As long, and hook me up with the right people. As long as, long as it's, I, now I still joke, you know, as long as it's no longer than three weeks, you're golden. Like that is my one rule. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's, uh, I just tell people just go. I, I have friends that, they want to travel abroad, but do it yourself, honestly. Why go, like, once you, the paying for the flight is the most expensive part. You don't need to stay in a fancy hotel or, like, I use a bunch of points and I stay there because, 
you know, for location. Right. But there's a lot of different free events that you can go to. Like when I'm in China, I play uh, double or nothing with taxi drivers. Where when I get to the airport, when I land, I know how long it will take me to get from the Shanghai airport to downtown uh, Shanghai. Ta- guys will come up to me, unmarked taxis, be like, sir, 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 best friend price for you. I'm like, okay, how much? And I'm going to just use U.S. dollars because it's a lot easier. And, you know, they'll say, oh, you know, I tell them, takes about 45 minutes to get there with no traffic. Or no, about an hour to get there, no traffic. It's, wow. a, it's a big city. And they're like, oh, you know, $50. I'm like, it'll cost me 25 with a meter taxi. Hmm. No, no way. And they're like, no, 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 I, I can get you there quickly. I said, okay, get me there in 45 minutes. And I'll give you a hundred U.S. dollars. No, 150. But if I don't, if you don't get me there in 45 minutes, I pay nothing. And what do they do? They take the bet. I'm five for five. I have not They're paid. Five for five. I haven't paid for a. You're sick. telling me a taxi driver gives oh. you a 45 minute lift and for free. Yeah. Because here's the thing: I shake on it, and then as soon as the car, as soon as he puts it into gear, time to go. And I start the clock, and I've we've gotten close, but I know the route. I know how. Gotten close where you guys are arguing back and forth about no, that's too, that's close enough. No, no, no. I I I tell them like, hey, we bet on it. You have a problem, turn on the meter. They don't turn on the meter, so they're screwed already. Yeah. But I mean, I do get their contact, and then I'm like, hey, I'll use you for you know when I go back to the airport or if I need something else. Yeah. But it's just funny. So I, I enjoyed that. Uh, you have lots of great stories overseas, but what is your, let's kind of conclude this podcast with what, uh, what exactly are you doing now? And what do you, so I know you've, you've made the connections. You kind of have, you have a solid network. You have, um, years worth of the past four years, you've been traveling abroad and the experiences. What is, what's next for you? What, what are you doing now? And what's next for you? Right now I'm consulting uh, for two different companies. One is a, it's called Let's Talk Supply Chain. It's the largest uh, supply chain podcast in Canada run by Sarah Barnes. So I run all of her social media. Now uh, that's one project that I'm working on. And the other is a IT company called Smart Moving. Uh, so I'm their customer success manager consultant. So I help them with onboarding, training, and customer retention. And then I do marketing for let's talk supply chain which you know it's i enjoy it they're both startups or the it smart movings is a startup sarah does phenomenal with what everything that she's doing in canada i've met her twice and she's like need someone to help run marketing let's do it next i don't know right now i'm just focused on game day this weekend at ames (laughs) of course um and then I got a wedding. I'm hey, I'll of... tell you, man, I'll bring you to Lubbock. I will bring you to the – because we play you guys in Lubbock this year on the football game. October I'll, I'll bring 19th. You there. October 19th. Of course, you know the date. I'll bring you out there. <laughs> and I'll get you good seats How good? if How... you do not wear Iowa's the ugly McDonald's colors. Mc... Just wear a neutral color. You can, maybe you can cheer for Iowa State. I don't care. But if you want good seats. How, how good are the seats? Are we talking sweet where there's unlimited alcohol? Because that, if that, absolutely. How about we do this? I'll take you to a tailgate. 
where there's... I've got people that got tailgates that said, you can, you can wear Iowa State stuff. We might pour drinks on you. I said, that's fine. Okay, you can wear the Iowa State stuff to the tailgate. You can get do whatever you want to do at the tailgate. Drink whatever you want, however much you want. I want to go but out then, with you in the bars and just go to Chimmy's. I hear Chimmy's is the place Chimmy's to go. Is, Chimmy's is the spot. That's a great spot. Uh, right now, the library for the, the college students. But yeah, Chimney's is a great spot. Let's go to Italian Garden as well. Italian Garden. <laughs> you know, Davide Moretti. Yeah. But yeah, you go to Tailgate, you do whatever you want to do, and then if you want to come to the football game, we'll we'll have great seats and but you gotta wear a neutral color. I didn't know that. And I'll make get... that deal on this podcast. Toga fit. Hey, I'll be I'll be there. I'm I'm excited, you know, I won't miss that game. Uh, I'm going right. to the Baylor game. So nah, we know you're going to all the games. All right, well that concludes this uh, episode of the Drew's Crew podcast. And if you want to connect with AJ or you want to use his connections to maybe, I don't know, try to get a job or ask him questions on his experiences abroad or all the different companies he's worked for, you can follow AJ at what? I think it's uh, – my Twitter is ISU Bowtie Guy. You're kidding I, me. I'm dead serious. You're I, kidding me, no. dude. ISU Bowtie Guy? Okay, there's a story behind it because – No, I don't want to hear this story. <laughs> I was in the newspaper I, for this. ISU bow tie, and then other than that, everything else is AJ Jaden. So on, and Jaden is not spelled. Tra- it, it, I mean, it's, it's it's with the silent T. It's T J T J A D E N. Hey, okay. I wasn't given. I was given to it at birth. I didn't have a choice. No, we know. And that officially concludes this week's episode of the Drew's Crew podcast. AJ, thank you for joining us. <laughs>